Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. is airing on Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. Hello everyone, it's Shannon back with you to share another author interview and to talk about this week's new books. Today you are going to hear an interview that I did with Amanda Axel who wrote a novel called Delia Suits Up and this was a fascinating conversation about speculative fiction, um, obviously about her writing process, kind of her journey to publishing, and so many of the things that she learned while writing Delia Suits Up. So let us get into the usual housekeeping information, followed by the interview, and then I will be back with you to talk about this week's new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am talking with author Amanda Axel about her novel, Delia Suits Up, which releases in the U.S. on August 3rd. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, Shannon, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You are very welcome. So can we start out with you giving listeners a little bit of an introduction to Delia Suits Up? Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for asking. So, yeah, Delia Suits Up is about a young woman, Delia, obviously, based on the title. And um, she is an investment banker who was laid off during a merger months ago. And during that time, she hasn't been able to get another job. And instead, she's been, you know, working as a cleaning professional, as she calls it, to pay her bills. At the same time, um, her crush, who she worked with, you know, was able to obtain a job uh, within just a month after that layoff. And so after another failed interview, she's really convinced that, um, the reason she's not getting work is because of sexism in the financial industry. And she really believes that if she were a man, if the world saw her as a man, then she would be able to have her dream job. And, you know, she would be able to have the permission that she needs to really live the life of her dreams. Right. And so, you know, again, after this failed interview, you know, cleaning the house of a, um, top CEO whose company is about to go public, something she might actually be able to work on. Has she actually, you know, gotten a job um, at her dream firm? 
uh, she's just feeling really um, discouraged. And so that evening she goes home. It also happens to be the eve of her birthday, right? And she's drinking wine on the floor with her roommates, as you do. And they're playing this game of truth or dare. It's just kind of this like little silly thing that they do. And one of her friends asks her, truth, you know, if you could change anything about yourself, what would it be? And she <laughs> says, you know, I'd, I'd be a man, you know, like, because if I be, if I was a man, I could do this, I could do this, you know, she just lists, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> and so in the morning, she wakes up as the male version of herself. And so obviously it's very shocking for her. She has to convince her roommates who she is, and she has to try to figure out what she's actually going to do with this opportunity. And so, of course, she decides to prove this theory of hers and go after her dream job. And so the book is really just about, you know, what happens when you, you know, get a different glimpse of your own life and what that sort of informs you and allows you to do. Or perhaps what happens when you answer truth in a game of <laughs> truth or dare. <laughs> totally, right? <laughs> you know, when I was nine, I, I thought it was probably a bad idea to play that game. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, 40, <laughs> like I'm 40 now and I, I still think it's uh, perhaps not a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. But it is a lot of fun, you know? Yes. <laughs> but it can be very dangerous, for sure. Clearly. Yeah. So, so what sort of inspired you to write this? I mean, I feel like it examines a lot of kind of deeper issues in society in terms of like equality, you know, and how equality is sort of plugged in along gender lines. But I'm curious to know just sort of what prompted you to, you know, decide that this is the book that you wanted to write? Yeah, well, I would love to say that I was sophisticated enough at the time that I came up with this idea to, you know, think of all these layers that did come out in the book, but I really wasn't. It was a lot more simplified than that. Actually, uh, this is a book that this idea came up for me in late 2014 when I was just finishing my second novel. And um And really what it was, was I had a conversation with an author friend of mine and I was just telling her how, you know, because, you know, as authors, we like to, I think, live vicariously through different characters and explore different parts of the human existence. And I was just really curious about what it would be like to, you know, be in a male body, be a man for a day. I just think that would be so interesting. Like, I wish I could have that experience, you know, just for one day. And so we were talking about this and, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're making cracks at the kind of things we would do, you know, and the kind <laughs> of men we would be. And she said to me, she's like, Amanda, you should write this. This would make a great book. And I was like, you're nuts. There's no way I could write something like this. And she's like, no, she's like, it's funny. It could be sexy, you know, like with your voice, I think it would be great. And so I was like, I'll think about it. Right. So as soon as I leave that meeting, I'm, you know, on the highway driving home and I'm just plotting the whole book in my mind. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll do this. 
And I knew, you know, because for me personally, you know, my career is always my my challenge, you know, like my sticking point in my life. So I, you know, I knew that it was going to be the plot was going to be career focused, but I didn't, you know, I didn't initially intend to, you know, go with Wall Street or the financial industry, even though I had worked in the financial industry for eight years, not on Wall Street, but, um, you know, in um, retirement planning. And so, you know, it kind of went through several iterations. You know, first, she was a journalist competing for a job with her boyfriend in D.C., and then she was an attorney. But I because I knew I needed I needed it to have a big punch at the end. And none of those were really right. And that's when I, you know, sort of came to the financial industry again and like really being able to highlight the disparity uh, between, you know, um, like the, you know, sexism in the workplace and, you know, the big gender gap, you know, in that particular industry, you know, even based on my own experience. And so that's when the book started to really come to life even more. And, you know, through that process, I was really able to develop, you know, some of those other themes that came up as well. I think one of the best things about fiction is the way it can grow and evolve and actually start out as just something, you know, that seems like kind of like light and, you know, maybe a little fluffy, like you said, a little sexy, but then it can also expand to show some of these like deeper themes that, you know, you have to kind of look a little harder to see. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think all stories are like, I mean, at least in my experience, I think, you know, anytime you're you're working on a story, you're really like excavating that story. You're really pulling it out or pulling it up, you know, and so it, it does become deeper and more rich, you know, richer, you know, as time goes on, as you continue to work on it. So totally. So were there um, specific challenges that you found as you were writing this, like things that perhaps you thought you could, you know, portray really easily that turned out like not to be as easy or, you know, just things that perhaps didn't quite um, work the way you thought they might. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think actually this is one book. This is uh, my eighth novel that I've written and it was the third at the time that I was writing it. And it actually flowed very seamlessly and even though the book has gone through many iterations the general plot has really stayed the same um, and the heart of the story has always stayed the same so you know really I think my biggest challenge with this book was me developing as an as a writer and I had an amazing opportunity to work with uh, a fantastic editor you know even before I had an agent or a publisher who was really, you know, able to help me sort of, you know, pay attention to some of my bad habits and, you know, really refine my work and, and look at the words in a different kind of way. Um, So I think, yeah, really the biggest sticking point for me with this book was just having to be patient, having to really confront my own bad habits. And, you know, when we did eventually get the publisher, you know, making some changes that, you know, initially I I was very, you know, like bummed about, but actually ended up being the right changes. And I was so I, I've been so lucky to, you know, have this be such a collaborative book, you know, like throughout, you know, the several like six years that I've been working on it, because it's 
to me has just become the best version of it. And I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. So is writing a book something that you've sort of always known that you wanted to do? Or is it something that kind of came to you, you know, later kind of as you were working a different job? Yeah, so it's really funny. Like, I was not one of those people who was like, oh, I want to be a writer when I grow up. But interestingly enough, I always wrote, you know, ever since I was a little girl, I was writing songs and short stories and poems and all that fun stuff. And it was just fun for me, you know, because I I just had a, a great imagination. And it was just an easy way to sort of get out those ideas, you know, put it on paper. But I really wanted to be an actress. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to perform. I love film. I love television. And um, so that was my dream, you know, all growing up is I'm going to be an actress. And so when I finished high school, I was a little too nervous to move to L.A. right away. So um, what I did was I attended a local film school um, because there are a lot of big, you know, uh, film markets actually nearby, right, where I could uh, get my SAG membership and that would make it a lot easier, you know, if I decided or when I decided to move to L.A., and so as I was, you know, at this school, I realized like, wow, I really don't have a thick enough skin to audition all the time. You know, I was like 18, oh. 18 years old and I just really lacked the confidence to do it. And something about it just didn't feel right. And that was very strange, but it was kind of an, in a weird way, even though it had been my dream for so long, it was an easy dream to let go because at the same time I was taking screenwriting courses there. And that was where I really shined. And so my instructor was, you know, very encouraging, like, hey, you have something here. I think you should really do this. You know, so I was like, yeah, I can still work in film and TV. I'm just going to write it. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to tell stories in a different way. And so that that became my new dream was to become a screenwriter. And that is still a dream of mine is, you know, to do film and te- television one day. But um, at that time, you know, I'm supporting myself and I decided to just go to college because I didn't go to college right away because I never, you know, decided that I, I just didn't think I wanted to do that. And I decided to go ahead and do it for a backup career, you know, <laughs> and continue writing. And so while I was in, you know, doing that, I was writing several screenplays. And then I met this writer who told me that my screenplay had a better chance of selling if it were based on a book, even if that book wasn't very successful. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so once I finished college, I decided to write my screenplay into a novel, which became my first novel, The Man Test. And two chapters in writing that novel, I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm a novelist. What? <laughs> I was like, all my movie ideas I could write as books. And I was very excited because I felt like I could explore the story and the character even more than I could, you know, as a film. And it, it just, it seemed like a lower, like a lower bar to entry sort of thing, you know, with writing. And I also had a very thick skin when it came to writing, you know what I mean? Like, I could take the constructive criticism, you know, I I had the wherewithal to, you know, to not give up, you know, and so that's really how I got into books, and I've been doing it ever since. I love that. There is this link, especially in recent years, between sort of film and literature, where, you know, we see so many things now that are based on a book, whether they're being made into like a mini series or like a series on something like Netflix or just a full length film. 
um, I see that I think way more than I did, you know, back like when I was growing yeah. up, you had the occasional book that eventually, you know, was, was adapted for film, but now it just seems like something that happens so, so often. Yeah. Well, I think people are waking up to the fact that there's so many amazing stories that could be found in books. So why not adapt them for the screen? And I think all authors like can't wait for their book to be made into a movie or TV show. Like that's what we all really want. Like if we're being honest, <laughs> like that's what we want because it reaches a much bigger audience that way. It's interesting to me to you know hear you say that because I have always wondered like do authors you know I know that for like a in a career standpoint like obviously being adapted for film would be a big deal but I wonder sort of how that is when then the people who are adapting it you know are making changes that perhaps don't feel true to sort of the image that you have had of your work you know as the as the author yeah, I mean, I imagine that's really tough. And, you know, throughout the edits of Delia Suits Up, I experienced that a little bit as well, you know, making changes that I may not have initially thought of. But I mean, I think that, you know, hopefully um, authors, and I, I hope to be in this position one day as well, will, you know, see that whatever the project is, TV, movie, miniseries, um, that it's its own project and um you know hopefully entrust that it that your story has been entrusted to professionals um that will you know bring it to life in a very unique and special way and even though it's not maybe your initial intention with the book that hopefully on its own it will be something really great and you know really inspiring to audiences and entertaining of course so I'm thinking back um, to when I first read The Horse Whisperer back like in 1997 and just how much I loved that whole book. And then, you know, it, it came out as a movie and had a completely different ending. And I just remember thinking, like, I wonder, you know, what the author would would think about that. Like, I wonder just how that is, you know, when like the basic story is the same all the way up until the end. And then this, this whole ending is just like completely different. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. Did you, which ending did you prefer or did you like them both for different reasons? So I tend to like kind of the, like the sadder sort of darker, like more thought provoking um, things. And so I think the, the book ending um, is the one that I, that I preferred. Um, but I thought that the movie was also very well done. Um, I just sort of chafed at that, you know, at the, at the changing of the ending. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as readers, yeah, we, we definitely carry that. I know like, even when like Harry Potter came out, right? Like it was like the movies were slightly different than the book. It's like, oh, why did you make this character like this? Or like Game of Thrones was like that. They were like combining characters to save time, oh, yes. you know, <laughs> kind of stuff. And it's like, ugh, you know. <laughs> but they're great projects on their own too. So, but yeah. I think definitely. it's like sometimes you do have to kind of view it as like a totally separate thing, which I think is a lot easier to do as like a viewer or a reader. Um, and probably a little harder if you are the person who actually created this thing that then people 
are changing to sort of fit, you know, their own ideas of what, what will make it successful. Yeah. 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 Well, I hope one day I find out and then I'll come back and let you know. (laughs) That'd be pretty awesome. That would definitely be awesome. (laughs) It would be. (laughs) So when you aren't writing, are you reading? Yes, but not as much as I want to. I think because I am writing so much that, like, I get a little tired of looking at words that I need, ah. like, a little break. So I actually, I, I actually, I'm, I'm big on, on television and, and movies. But yes, obviously, of course, I read. I love to get lost in a book. There's nothing better than getting lost in a story. So definitely. And have you read anything that is especially fantastic that you think the world should know about? Well, so right now I'm reading uh, Taylor Jenkins Reid's um, Malibu Rising. Oh, yes. And I have really taken my time with that book. I mean, I should have finished it like a month ago, but I'm just really savoring it, you know, <laughs> and like just really like, you know, creating a mood whenever I do read it. Cause it's just so, I love her. I love all of her books. I just think she's so fantastic. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, I just finished, uh, Laura Hankins, uh, happy and you know it. Oh yes. Uh, I love Laura Hankin. Yeah. She's such a fantastic writer. And I, I loved it. I'm, I'm, and I am listening to her, her new book, uh, a special place for women. And yes. enjoying that as well. Yeah. Yes. She, yeah. um, just did a phenomenal job, like narrating both of those in audio. I think she's just phenomenal. I know. And I love, you know, we talked earlier before the interview about how, you know, like I'm an auditory person. So I, I'm a big fan of audio as well. And I love that you can listen to a book and like brush your teeth or wash the dishes. Oh, yes. I'm all about multitasking if I can. Oh, yeah. I have a um, a 16 year old Himalayan seal point cat and she mm-hmm. has this like huge amount of fur. And so I'll just like put on a book and I'll be like grooming the cat and grooming the cat and grooming the cat. And I feel like sometimes, you know, that that's all I do is like comb out massive amounts of fur from this cat. But it's okay because I can read a book while I groom the cat. <laughs> yeah, that sounds actually really relaxing. That sounds nice. <laughs> it's it's actually not nice because she hates it. <laughs> okay. Got yes. It. <laughs> so you have to like keep one hand like at the back of her head because if she yeah. can turn her head around, like all she wants to do is bite you. Yeah. Oh. So no, it's it's not. If she were a dog, like just this like laid back, you know, calm, nice dog, and you could just like comb and it would be just like so nice and, and kind of peaceful. No, no, yeah. this is like the cat, like plotting your, your downfall. If she can just like turn her head a certain way, then you're, you're done. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I get that. My, my dog was like that. She did not like to be brushed in certain areas of her body, particularly her head and she didn't like it. So I get that. Yeah. It's, it's not, uh, you know, I think like, I really like it if someone brushes my hair. So I'm like, Oh, like cat, you know, why don't you just like hang out and like let this be? And she's like, no, I hate it. Oh Oh my gosh. I love when people, when I get my hair brushed, Oh my gosh. Like going to salon, that's my favorite. Oh, Oh. 
It's just I like, need to hire someone to do that. They, they need to create that service, like just hairbrushing, like massage, but just for your head. I told my mom, who um, is a hairdresser, I'm like, yeah, mom, you know, it'd be so great if somebody just could do that for a job. I said, but not you, because my mother <laughs> is like the roughest person. Like she'll just like take this brush and like wrench it through. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> when we were kids, you know, we would be like, oh, it hurts, it hurts. And she's like, if you don't sit still, it's going to hurt more. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, no, not not my mother. Um, she she will not be the like the uh, the queen pin of the hair brushing empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I did. um, That's okay. I did listen to Taylor Jenkins read Malibu Rising um, in Uh audio as well. And I just thought that it was incredibly well done, perhaps second only to her um, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which I think is my favorite read novel. Me too. I think it's probably my favorite book. It is a fantastic book. It's so good. It's juicy. Yes. And it takes place in this super cool time period. Oh, my God. I mean, what's not to love about it? It's just that really cool, like, kind of dual timeline piece where, like, you have, you know, the woman who's writing the book and she's learning all these things. And then you kind of go back and actually see it, like, from Evelyn's perspective. It's just so, so good. Oh, my gosh. And I love dual timeline. I don't know if you've read Beautiful Ruins, but I feel like it's in a similar vein. I have it here, but I've not read it yet. I want to. You'll enjoy it. And the audio is so very many good. books here. Yeah, I've done that one on audio and I've, I've read the book. It's very good. You'll enjoy it. I feel like I have so many books. Like I'll think to myself <laughs> like, oh, OK, you know, so now like I'll start, you know, something new and I'll look and it's like, OK, is it going to be this? or this, or this, there are just so many options. There are, I mean, whose TBR list isn't just out of hand? I mean, really, oh. mine is, and I just keep buying more books. Oh, yeah. I just, I wish I could buy time. Can we buy time for those books, too? Like, it would be good. Like, Amazon buy, like, that? a block of time, like, you buy a book, <laughs> and, like, the amount of time that, like, someone decides it should, like, take you to read it, you could just, like, have it. Yeah. Like that time just kind of blocked out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I I could, I could be about that. (laughs) I'm all about that. That sounds great. (laughs) So we got some, we we invented some things today. It's true. Now maybe someone just needs to like patent it and uh, we'll be, we'll be set. Since I started doing the podcast, I have, you know, been getting a lot of like early copies of books, which also just like makes my life extra fantastic because I have like a sneak peek of like what's coming out and then I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always so excited when the books that I've read you know three or four months ago are finally like coming out in the world like, oh my gosh like so many people are gonna love this now yeah that's so yes. cool advanced that's copies are, are are the best yes <laughs> agreed so what can we expect next from you now that Delia Suits Up is out in the world? Yeah, so I do have another book coming out with Berkeley next summer, which I'm very excited about. And I probably should have found this out before, so I'm not sure how much I can announce about it. But I can okay. say that 
it is not a sequel. Um, and, um, but I would say it is, you know, it's in the same vein in the sense that it's also a comedy and, um, we have a really like kick-ass protagonist as well. So yeah, hopefully I'll be able to share more very soon, but I'm really excited about it. I think, I think people who enjoy Delia Sutep will also enjoy this book. That is excellent. I will and be you don't keeping need to an eye out for it. reality for it either. It's ah, take, take okay. place in the real world. <laughs> like, okay, so no one's like inhabiting someone else's body. No, no, there's no magical realism in that one. It's it's all real. Well, you know, I think there there is a place in like the reading world for both of those types of books, and depending on my mood, like sometimes you know I want something that is. Like not possible in real life. But then other times I find myself wanting that thing that's like really, you know, anchored in, in reality. So I think there's definitely a place for both types of book. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time so soon after um, your book was actually released um, to chat with me and let listeners get to know a little bit about you. Can you let us know the best place people can find you online? Yeah, so you can find me on my website, amandaaxel.com. Axel is A-K-S-E-L. Um, I'm on Instagram at Amanda Axel. I'm also on Facebook at Amanda Axel. Uh, so yeah, those are the best places to find me. And I really do love connecting with readers. So please feel free to shoot me a message through my website or send me a direct message on Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to chat with you. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much, Shannon. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. I'm so glad. All right. So we are here to talk about new books. And we are kind of fantasy heavy um, this week. So as usual, I'm going to start off with a collection of books that you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated releases of February episode. So two of my February releases are coming out this week. I am super excited for both of these. House of Sky and Breath, which is book two in Sarah J. Moss's Crescent City series, is out, as well as The Chandler Legacies by Abdi Nazemian. We then move on to Natalia, who also has two of her most anticipated releases coming out, and they are The Cage by Bonnie Kistler and Unmissing by Minka Kent. Brooke mentioned the latest Kelly Armstrong. This is the deepest of secrets. It's Rockton book seven. And I'm very, very excited for this one, but I'm also really sad because this is the final Rockton novel. And I'm just not sure how to cope with that. And Sarah is looking forward to the new Josie Silver. And this is One Night on the Island. So as I said, we have quite a bit of fantasy here. Um, But I think what I'm going to do is talk about some romances and some young adult fiction, things like that. And then we will move into fantasy. 
So first up is All the Right Reasons by Bethany Mengel. And this is Gilmore Girls meets The Bachelor, <laughs> which I think is an amazing uh, pitch line for this. Um, it is a young adult romance about a young woman who meets the love of her life while she's on a reality dating show with her mother. This is All the Right Reasons by Bethany Mangle. We then have I'm Good and Other Lies by Bev Katz Rosenbaum. And this is a story about the pandemic lockdown and all the ways in which it's affecting people. We look at mental health, we look at possible addiction, and just the ways in which many of us are pretending that things are okay when they're not. Um, and this is a YA novel. It is I'm Good and Other Lies by Bev Katz Rosenbaum. Then we have How to Find Your Way Home. This is by Katie Regan. It is her second novel to be published here in the U.S. It's about a brother and sister who have been estranged for years and how they kind of come back to one another and hopefully are able to kind of put the past behind them. This is How to Find Your Way Home by Katie Regan. We also have The Magnificent Lives of Marjorie Post. This is by Alison Pataki. It is a historical novel about, well, you guessed it, Marjorie Post. Um, Alison Pataki has written several novels on her own, as well as a couple with her son, and they have just done a phenomenal job of peeling back so many of the layers that are hiding um, women in history. So if you have read some of Allison's stuff before, or even if you haven't, you definitely want to pick this one up. It is The Magnificent Lives of Marjorie Post by Allison Pataki. Staying in the historical vein for a moment, we have um, the latest by Deanna Rayborn. This is An Impossible Imposter, Veronica Speedwell, book seven. And this is a historical mystery series featuring a female detective who is also a butterfly hunter. So this is An Impossible Imposter, Veronica Speedwell, book seven, by Deanna Rayborn. And we have a historical romance out this week. This is um, A Perfect Equation, Secret Scientists of London, book two by Elizabeth Everett. Um, this is the second novel in the series, as I've said, and I believe um, the first one came out either at the end of 2020 or the very beginning of 2021. But this is about a group of female scientists in London who are finding love. I love historical novels that deal with women in STEM because I think for so long we've kind of been told that that's not where women need to be. And so I love being able to look back at this and see that, you know, even several hundred years ago, women were studying science, despite all of the societal 
pressures for them to do other things. So this is a perfect equation. Secret Scientists of London, book two by Elizabeth Everett. All right, let's talk about some fantasy now. Bright Ruined Things by Samantha Coho. This is a fantastical retelling of The Tempest. There are so many good Shakespeare retellings right now um, in like so many different genres. We've like young adult, we have romance, we have fantasy. So this is another one. The Tempest is not a play of his that I'm super familiar with, but the synopsis of this book intrigues me. So I will definitely be checking this out. It is Bright Ruined Things by Samantha Coho. We also have Oathbound. This is Royal Rose Chronicles Book One by Victoria McCombs. And this is kind of a, like a plague book. Um, our heroine has a mysterious illness and somehow in order to cure her illness and keep it from spreading, she has to kind of make an uneasy alliance with a group of pirates. Now, she has apparently been taught to avoid pirates for all sorts of reasons, and now, of course, she has to rethink this if she wants a cure. So this is Oathbound, Royal Rose Chronicles, book one, by Victoria McComb. Louisa Morgan has a new book out this week, and this is The Great Witch of Brittany. Apparently, this one returns us to the world of A Secret History of Witches, which is the very first Louisa Morgan book that I ever read, and I loved it so incredibly much. So here we are looking into magic and intrigue and familial bonds. This is set in the second half of the 1700s. So kind of with a secret history of witches, we moved around in time quite a bit, and it looks like this one isn't going to do that. So this one is The Great Witch of Brittany, and it is by Louisa Morgan. Next up, we have A River Enchanted. This is Elements of Cadence, book one by Rebecca Ross. This is Ross's first adult fantasy. She's written several YA fantasy novels, but this is for adults. And this is the story of childhood enemies who are teaming up now to solve the disappearances of several girls from their clan. I love fantasy that kind of blends with mystery and perhaps a bit of romance. So this is definitely one that I'm going to check out. It is A River Enchanted, Elements of Cadence, book one by Rebecca Ross. We also have Moon Witch, Spider King, Dark Star Trilogy, book two by Marlon James. Um, the first book in this series came out in 2020. Um, I have not read it yet, although it is on my very large TBR pile. I was first introduced to James's writing, oh, probably 10 years ago when I read The Book of Night Women. So this one is definitely more fantastical than that. 
um, we focus a lot more on like world building and actual um, fantasy as opposed to just kind of magic and folklore, which is what we got in the Book of Night Women. Um, the first book in this series is Black Leopard, Red Wolf, and this one is Moon Witch, Spider King, Dark Star Trilogy, Book Two by Marlon James. And last up, I have to mention A Crown of Petals and Ice. This is book three in the Honey and Ice series by Shannon Mayer and Kelly St. Clair. This is a series that I have not read, although I have read some of Shannon Mayer's other works. Um, and Stacy is a big Shannon Mayer fan as well. But this one is a fae-centered urban fantasy, and we get to focus on Underhill and what happens to the fae when their home in Underhill is threatened. So this is A Crown of Petals and Ice, Honey and Ice, Book 3, by Shannon Mayer and Kelly St. Clair. And that is all I have for you today. I hope everyone is doing well, staying safe, and reading lots of great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.